You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah. If you would like to find out more information about our church, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Real quick, just come and let me address the next Sunday before we jump in, because we are on a tight schedule today, because we have like 27 people or something like that getting baptized, so uh, I got to be quick. Um, so, so next Sunday, you know, is Easter, right? You got that, that part, right? So we got Good Friday service, one service only, 6 o'clock here. Um, we're going to do table together and just reflect on the cross. No child care. Sunday morning, we have an 8 and 9.30 and 11, and that means there's not a lot of time in between, right? So you people that think that the, the eight, 9 o'clock service is at 9.15, you're going to miss the first couple songs, I'm just telling you. So, so 8 o'clock. 9 30 11 and after the service next week what we're going to ask you to do is instead of kind of lingering and like going out the back that you're going to exit out these doors and kind of go out that way because there's going to be people waiting and we've done this before and it's just like a collision course and then we end up starting late and it's just a mess also if you're a regular and you have your regular spot because you get here at 8 15 every sunday we're going to ask that you if you're if your regular spot is like right out here too because you're like yeah i got there early i deserve that spot we'd ask that you'd park 100 yards further away just because because we're going to have some visitors we usually have seven or eight hundred uh, folks that are not regulars on easter and we'd love for them to not have to walk as far and let's be honest some of you need to walk all right so let's just go all right Sorry, I'm just speaking the truth and love up here. <laughs> uh, one of the hardest things about being a sports fan or an athlete uh, or a parent of an athlete or a coach is the, is the reality, right, that in the end, only one person can win or one team, right? That's just the reality. It doesn't matter you win one game, win one game. This is, if you watch the game on Monday night, great championship game. I had no dog in that fight. There was no SEC team. And so, uh, and my boys never make the tournament. So, um, but you know, you're watching Virginia. And as that clock ticks down in overtime and, and the streamers are falling, you just see the joy on their face, right? They're just so, they're hugging each other and they're loving on each other and they're just celebrating. But at the same time, same streamers are falling on their heads and there's hugs, but it's not the same joy Right? It's that agony of we were so close. And nobody afterwards was like, you know, maybe some well-meaning grandmother was like, well, at least you got there. No one in that locker room is thinking that. Right? Second place is great. Yeah. Okay, that person never played sports. Right? <laughs> but but I, I feel like sometimes the church, we feel a little bit like the Texas Tech Raiders. We, we walk around with kind of our heads down. And, and, and we look out there and look how bad the world is and look how bad I am, right? And we walk around like we've just lost. And the reality of the scripture is, is that we haven't lost. That our God is a living God, that Jesus will lead his church in triumphal victory, that he will be, finish the work that he began. All these promises about God, what God will do. And that's not to discredit the brokenness and struggle of life, right? Because sometimes it feels like you are down by 20 and there's only five minutes left in the game. But we know how the story ends, right? We know where it goes. And the reason I address this is because I, f- I feel like as Christians, we sometimes don't do a great job of celebrating. Celebrating wins. We just kind of, oh, look how bad it is. The government's this and this is this. And, and we of all people 
Even in the midst of down by 10, down by 20. Reading this morning in my quiet time, Colossians where Paul says, I rejoice in my afflictions for your sake. That doesn't make any sense. You're, re- you're rejoicing in affliction and you're rejoicing for somebody else's benefit of your affliction. But that is the mindset of the believer. Why? Because we have a victorious God. And today is just a reminder for us as a church of, of why we can celebrate. And that's why I love Baptism Sunday. And I know that this service is crowded. I'm thinking it's more crowded probably because I know that the Masters is already teed off. I just, I, I was like, oh, look, nine o'clock's more crowded this morning. And then I'm, oh, yes, that's right. So if I look, see you looking at your phone at any point in the sermon, I will call you out at the how. And if you know who's winning, you better not tell anybody because everyone's got this thing recorded at the house. But, but what I want to do today is just real quick, remind us as a church why do we celebrate? Why can we rejoice? Why is, what is the significance of baptism for all of us? And I wanna do so just quickly unpacking one of my favorite narratives in all the Bible in Luke chapter 19. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. And it's a story of a man named Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus was a wee little man. <laughs> and a... Go VBS, baby. (laughs) Daily Vacation Bible School has done its part. Discipleship, right? This story in Luke 19 actually takes place right before Palm Sunday. So Jesus is on his way. He has made a beeline for Jerusalem where he is going to lay down his life, right? But right before is the city Jericho, which is a couple miles from Jerusalem, and he has to go through Jericho. And that's where this story takes place. And I want to highlight just three things real quick from this narrative that, that can encourage us, that we can find joy, that we can celebrate. Because this story, Zacchaeus' story, it's our story. All right, it's our story. So let me just jump right in. Put my glasses on so I can see. Verse one. He entered, that is Jesus, Jericho and was passing through. Jericho, by the way, in that time is not just Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. There's VBS too, right? Jericho was a, this is our house. It was a very rich city. It was a very influential city. All right, so this is not, this is like him going through Manhattan. A lot of money, a lot of influence, a lot of power. And it says, verse two, and behold, and and Luke is trying to draw you into the narrative. The word is see, look, see. There was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was rich. And I know you, you know, most of you know tomorrow's tax day, right? For the IRS. You're gonna file, right? But we have, pretty much everyone has a disdain for the IRS, let's be honest. No one grows up, you're a little eight-year-old, like, Dad, when I grow older, I want to work for the IRS. No one does that. I'm so proud of you, son. Yes. Okay? So we have a disdain for the IRS, right? But nothing like them. Right? Yeah, and I, I, when I file my taxes, I don't know about you, I file on TurboTax, and, I, and there's, at the end there is this, like, hit, you have to hit that, that button that says file, and there's just something in me that's always, like, I'm going to hit this, and by the time I get home, they're going to be there waiting. There's just a little bit of fear and trepidation, right? And I'm honest. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty honest with my, ta- I mean, I'm very honest with my taxes. I'm not pretty honest. Okay. I'm completely honest. <laughs> don't, hey, don't put this on the internet. That's not, that's, we're going with service two online. But even in, the, in my honesty, I'm nervous these people hated the tax collectors. And here's why. When Rome moves into a city after they conquered it, they knew that the best way to get the money was not just take it. They would get a local 
And this local, he knew all the people. He knew who had the money. He knew where the money would be hidden. And so they use this person and they say, here's, here's what you do. You just collect, I, we don't care how much you collect. We want the bottom line. We want 15%, whatever it is. Whatever you take, that's up to you, but we get our 15%. And so these guys would take the 15%, give that to Rome, and then they tack on another 20. They tack on another 30. They could take whatever they wanted. And no one could stop them because Rome didn't care. And Rome left them some soldiers to be the empowerers of, the, of this deal. So they were not only stealing from people who were already crushed and poor, they were getting rich off them. Think about this, right? They had no morals. They were hated. Think about, they would be the mob bosses, the drug cartels. That is these guys. And this guy was the chief one. He was the boss of all of them. He's the 1% of the 1%. So where everyone else is starving, he is getting rich, right? He is getting rich. That, that's a little background for them. Verse three. And he was seeking to see Jesus. Everyone was seeking to see Jesus. Jesus is three and a half years into his ministry. It's almost over. He's like a rock star everywhere he goes. He's famous. And every time he goes into a town, there's all, it's like a parade. And this guy wants to see him just like everyone else. But he can't. <laughs> Vertically challenged. He's sub five feet. Imagine, you know, you guys, a lot of you guys are watching golf, gals are watching golf, and you see those masters crowds, and you see there's, they're 10, 15, 20 people deep, and there's, there's Zacchaeus in the back, trying to see Tiger, right? He can't see Tiger, right? And, and he wants to get through, and everyone knows who he is, like, we ain't letting you in, wee little man, you little dirt ball. Why do you want to see Jesus? Why would he want to see you? And so in his desperation, he runs ahead, and he does things that that are unnatural in that culture for men. He runs, no men ran back then, all right, unless they're getting chased by a dog or something. And secondly, he climbs a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? He goes up into a tree so, so he can see, he just wants to get a glimpse of Jesus. And so verse five, Jesus came to the place all this crowd, I mean, again, Master's a great example. Tiger's walking and just people, and he's walking, and Jesus stops, and the crowd's like, oh. And he just looks up, and you can just picture the smile on the face of the Savior. <laughs> and he's, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. You got room for 13? And listen to the language, for I must. The Greek word it means it is necessary. But notice this too, he knows his name. He calls him by his name. How does he know his name? Because he knew him before the foundation of the world. Because his name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because he chose him, he called him, it was his time. I must, I have to come to your house today. And I understand this is scandalous, y'all. Because when you have a meal with somebody in that culture, it was a, a sign of fellowship, of intimacy, of acceptance, right? It, it's, it's, it's radical. And we love the fact often that Jesus would hang out with the marginalized and, and the poor and the beggars. And we're like, yeah, that's the Jesus we know. This guy ain't marginalized. He, he's not a, just a product of the system. He's the cause of the system. He, he the equivalent of New York City and say, I'm gonna go to Brenner when he, where's, where's de Blasio? I'm gonna go meet with the big businessman, George Steinbrenner, when he was alive. I'm gonna go meet with the priests of the city. Who's, it? Who's priest in New York? Jim Cimbala, Tim Keller. No, no, no. I'm gonna go to the mob boss's house and I'm gonna be with him. 
to scandal. And here's the first thing I want you to know, remember, understand what we celebrate in baptism is that Jesus pursues sinners. And one of his, kind of his, the favorite titles of the gospel is he, he's a friend of sinners. And that's what Zacchaeus' story reminds us, that no one, I don't care what you've done, I don't care where you've been, I don't care how much of a mess you have made, no one is beyond the grace of God. And what we celebrate in the waters of baptism is that Jesus forgives sins, that Jesus cleanses sins. This water has no power. That water, like two weeks ago, was at the wastewater plant. All right, so you can think about that when you drink it. That water has no power at all, but it symbolizes the fact that Jesus washes people from their sins, that though your sins be as scarlet, they will be whiter than snow. That's what baptism pictures, right? And and here's what you have to understand. It's not because the people that are gonna get in that water today are good people or they've done a lot of good things, or they may have, right? But the myth and the lie of the enemy, of Satan, is, is... on it for years, and some of you may have bought it, is that you want to get to heaven, you just got to be good. Be a good person. Be kind. Pay your taxes. Right? Just be good and you'll be fine. It's, it, we treat Jesus sometimes like we, like we treat company when they're coming over. What happens? You know, those who are married, they get this, especially with kids. When company's coming over, what happens? All right, let's go. Get the vacuum out. Shh. But the magazines are all, you know, structured or fanned out real nice. And we'll get the nice towels. Go light a candle. I can't find a match. Go find a match. Use the stove. Do something. Why? Because we want to make it seem like this is how we normally live. The magazines look like this all the time. And the towel, we always use those towels. There's always, well, I'll just be good. I'll be kind. I'll be nice. I'll go to church. I'll give a little money. As if that's going to make God love you. Or the flip side, these religious people, they think, oh, of course God loves us because we're not like Zacchaeus. And these are the people, by the way, in verse 7, that are, so, or, that are just ticked off the fact that Jesus would go there because religious people hate it when Jesus forgives sinners. They hate it, right? They grumble and they complain. And some of you here, you're trying to see Jesus, you're like Zacchaeus, and religious people keep getting in the way, so I would just encourage you to get up in a tree and try to get over them so you can see clearly the Savior who pursues sinners. But the point of the narrative is that Jesus forgives sin. How much of it? All of it. Past, present, future. When Jesus dies, remember, he's all sin for us is future. And remember, God is outside of time. So he sees everything that's happened, what will happen, what's going to happen there. He sees it all. And he still says, I'm going to the cross. So there's no sin that cannot be washed away by Jesus. Right? And, and the picture of baptism is that Jesus washes away sins. Not because these people are good. Not because they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps or they went to church. It's because they've trusted what Christ has done for them. And they are now free from condemnation of sin. Because who the Son has set free, we just sang it, is free indeed. That's the first thing I want you to just remember and celebrate. That Jesus pursues, he forgives sinners. What happens next? So Zacchaeus hurries and comes down, receives Jesus joyfully. The religious people grumble because religious people do that best. He's going in the de- to be a, a guest of a sinner. And then something changes in between verse seven and eight. Something radical in Zacchaeus' life. Look what happens. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, half the, Lord, half the goods I, of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded, and it's in, the, in the Greek it's a first class condition, which means it's assumed to be true, fourfold. That, that is ginormous. Imagine someone breaks in your house, you're at church today, you get home, they stole your big screen. You're like, I can't watch the Masters now, great. 
but they come back a week later and they bring not only your big screen, but they bring four more big screens with you. You're like, man, we can, do, we can play Fortnite against each other in every room. We can watch golf. You can watch whatever. I mean, it's, it's huge. That's what he is promising. This is what we call repentance. This is a change of heart. This is not guilt. Notice Jesus doesn't ask for these things. He says, okay, if you want to follow me now, Zacchaeus, you got to do all these things. This is unsolicited. He says, I'm going to do this, period. This is grace, not law. The law only required that he would give back 20% on top of what he took. So one TV plus one-fifth of a TV, the remote. He's saying, no, 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 I'm going well beyond that. That is grace. And here's the second thing we celebrate in baptism, and I want you to know today, is that Jesus changes lives. Right? If, if anyone was ever voted least likely to follow Jesus, it would have been Zacchaeus. And that's an encouragement because if you have someone in your life, you're like, this person will never come to faith in Jesus. That is God's specialty. The Bible is filled with the Apostle Pauls of the world, the Zacchaeuses of the world, who you think, there's no way ever, no way, Jose. And that's what God does. Right? And he takes someone, his idol is money, he's a greedy person, and he turns him and he changes him, he transforms him to what? Someone who's generous, right? Someone who gives things away. This, this is the new Zacchaeus. The old Zacchaeus, when he knocks on your door, you're hiding. The new Zacchaeus has got five big screens. The old Zacchaeus shows up with a scorn, the new one with a smile. Jesus changes lives. And, and the encouragement to us is there's no part of your story, and we all have one, that God cannot redeem and use as a platform for his power. Your addiction, your eating disorder, same-sex attraction, you had an abortion, you would have lived a promiscuous lifestyle, change and redeem and use you in that. That's what he does. And baptism celebrates that Jesus changes lives, that he makes us new. So Romans, when it talks about spirit baptism, which is what water baptism pictures, says, do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried with him by baptism to death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. There's a newness, there's a change. Zacchaeus is new, he has changed. These people that are coming this morning, their lives have been changed by Jesus. They're not perfect. If you're like, I saw him last week, you, you should have seen me yesterday. But there's a newness, there's a new desire, there's a new Lord, there's a new faith. Now they are obeying. In fact, the fact that they are getting in front of 700 people this morning and, and humbling themselves and saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel, that is, that is awesome. And if, if we rejoice at that, what do you think God the Father is doing when these people publicly identify, I am a follower of, of Jesus? So they're not only obeying Christ because he says be baptized, but they're also following his example because he was baptized, right? And so there's joy. When my kids make a wise decision, a great choice, man, brings joy to me. How much more to the Father? And if the Father's joyful over one sinner who repents, then his people ought to be rejoicing. That's why we rejoice in baptism. Jesus forgives sinners. Jesus changes lives. And here's the close of the narrative. And one more verse, but I'm running out of time, so let me jump in. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Today. You know, well, you know what we would do? Well, let's just wait a couple weeks and see what old Zach's doing. We'll see him in a couple weeks. We'll see him in a month. Make him go to, make him go to a couple of discipleship classes first. No, Jesus says, today, this is different. Since he is a son of Abraham. 
Not just that, yes, he is Jewish, but he is a son of Abraham and that he is a child of faith. Right? Abraham was the father of faith. Why? The son of man came to seek and save the lost. Last thing, not only is he forgiven, his life's changed, Jesus gives a new identity. He is now a child of God. In fact, back in that Romans passage, it says, if we have been united with him in death, like his, we shall be united. There's a new identity. Your old identity was sinner, uh, dead in your trespasses and sin, enemy of God. For Zacchaeus, liar, thief, greedy. Now he is child of faith. Now he is in Christ. Now he is an heir to the kingdom. Now he is a son, a brother of Jesus, a friend of God. He is a saint. That's what Jesus does. And what baptism pictures is that you are united with Jesus in his death. This is why... Uh, this is why immersion baptism seems to be the best model of scripture because when you go down, it pictures you being united with Jesus in his death. When you come out, you're united with him in his, in his resurrection. We're just celebrating what Christ has done. We are in Christ. And what can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing, right? It's a rejoicing thing. Even if we feel like we're down by 10, even if, if the, the, the world is falling apart, we have a God who sin, saves sinners. We have a God who changes lives, and we have a God who changes our identity. And if you're a follower of Christ this morning, and some of you, you came in and your head was low because it's just rough. Your head was down. Psalm 3.3 says that God is a shield about his people, our glory and the lifter of your head. You can lift your head up because you have a God who is victorious, a savior who loves you, and he knows where you're at. He knows where you've been. And if you're not a follower of Christ this morning, what we would encourage you to say is, hey, you're here. You don't know how you got here on the morning where the Masters is taking place, but it's because God loves you and he's moving towards you and he wants you to become his child through faith in his son. He wants you to experience forgiveness of sins. He wants to change your eternal destiny by just putting your faith, returning from your sin and putting your faith in what Christ has done for you on a cross. He died and he rose again. And that's what this is going to picture. So if you have questions about that, we'd love to chat with you. But we are gonna have an opportunity. We talk about being the church. Part of being the church for us is rejoicing at what God is doing. Y'all, God is moving in Savannah and in the world. And we just wanna be a part of it. And he's using some of you guys. Some of you guys are super influential on the people who are going to get baptized this morning. It's some, you're gonna hear some of their stories. A couple of them are gonna share. We're gonna encourage them because it's tough getting up here. Right, it's not as easy as it looks. Um, and we're gonna celebrate as they go. Let me pray, we're gonna worship. If you're getting baptized, you need to run because we only got two songs, all right? So uh, let me, why don't you guys stand and we'll pray and we'll sing. Father, I pray just for our time of reflection on the gospel that Christ loves us, that he died for us, that he rose again, that those who come this morning, that it would just be a special time for them and that you would be glorified. For those who don't know you, that they would see the glory of Christ in this. And that your people, we would celebrate, regardless of where we're at, Lord Jesus, that we would celebrate what you are doing. You are victorious. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.